Welcome to Postwave. You're here with Eric and Trevor. Today, we're going to be talking about the long-running issue of income inequality and how it relates to current efforts at space exploration. So Eric, how do you feel about all these billionaires that are throwing all this money into space exploration these days? Well, boy, gee, isn't that a loaded question? Um, <laughs> how do I feel about it? I mean, it's uh, it's it's a complicated issue. I feel I feel mixed. Yeah, I think there's some really cool things going on. I think that space exploration is a necessary next step for humanity and for life as we are a part of it. But at the same time, the uh, allocation of resources here on Earth is uh, kind of <clears throat> maybe of more concern at the present moment. Yeah, I, I would I would mostly agree with that. I think I definitely think we should be be doing space exploration and and mostly have the goal of of being able to preserve human life. If if you know there's some gigantic asteroid or comet impact or or global warming gets even more out of hand or there's there's some even worse pandemic or you know gamma ray burst or something. I think I think. The thing, the thing I want to say first is I think we have to separate uh, Jeff Bezos and and Richard Branson, who are who are two of the other billionaires besides Elon Musk that have been uh, putting a lot of resources into space exploration. And mm. so, so Jeff Jeff Bezos obviously is the uh, or former former uh, head of Amazon, and his company is Blue Origin, and they've they've been in the news a lot recently. They had a, they've had a couple, I think, just two at this point. Uh, flights to just to the edge of space not orbital or anything and William Shatner was on the other on the second one and so yeah it's been a big big spectacle and then Richard Branson is the head of Virgin Galactic and they they were actually one of the first kind of private space companies to get started I remember I, I, I don't know the exact number but probably when I was in in middle school and definitely high school they they were already starting to do flights and, and they kind of have a, a unique way of doing it, which is that they they fly uh, a plane up to a pretty high altitude and then drop the rocket from from the plane, hmm. and they have this yeah no no one else really does it this way they have and then the rocket kind of you know goes to the edge of space doesn't go or- orbital, but it uh, the way it comes down is it kind of uh, flips its its uh, or bends its tail and it does this like feathering maneuver to come back down and then mm. lands like a plane um i think Whoa. yeah no it's it's crazy it, it looks it looks super cool <laughs> uh <laughs> they had they had I, they've had at least one death i think from from a crash and that kind of you know pushed mm. things back a little bit um yeah. but so so my, my main point is that is that uh richard branson <laughs> and jeff bezos are are way more in the the space tourism side of things mm. just like little flights to the edge of space people that pay you know millions of dollars for it often there's yeah, sometimes there's like a charity element to it which mm. i don't know if I, I still don't think that makes a whole lot of sense <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> um but so so they're doing more of this, the space tourism thing and elon musk is more you know he, he has the big vision of of colonizing mars and and preserving humanity in the event that something happens to earth and so yeah i really think you have to separate those two from from elon musk mm. interesting so uh, what, what, so, so, so you say the difference is that the, the other two are interested in 
just uh, making money through tourism and you think that Elon uh, actually wants to colonize the, the solar system? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's not fair to say that they just want to make money, but their their goal at this point is is mostly tourism. And mm. maybe that'll change, but yeah, at least at least at this point. Right. I mean, as far as I understand, the nature of the market right now for space exploration is very much about how can we make money right now and but but the point of it isn't to make profit as much as to fuel innovation uh in terms of uh building ways to get into space um and technology surrounding that which can then be used later for various reasons right right and yeah that, that's kind of the challenge and i think that's something that spacex is really done pretty well is figure out ways to make money while still innovating kind of pushing technology forward and mm. yeah as, as far as i know blue blue origin and virgin galactic haven't really been launching satellites or anything the way the way that you know spacex has and spacex has you know plenty of contracts with other with other people yeah it makes me it makes me curious because i know that even going back to the 70s nasa um and the amount of interest public interest that was built around uh, getting to the moon and you know getting to space in general and you know, obviously a lot of it was uh beat the commies mm-hmm. uh you know a, a race for uh me- measuring how big your rocket is against the other guys mm-hmm. but there was uh there there were a lot of arguments made in favor of continuing space exploration through nasa after that uh moon landing had happened and you know some of those arguments are the the knock uh what's the term the like a side effect technologies mm-hmm. the, the benefits that you get like uh translucent braces and other little things that were developed in conjunction with developing space technology right right yeah that that i think i mean it's true like we do get new technology that way i don't think that's that's the primary reason we should be doing space exploration. But mm-hmm. I do I do think it's interesting. I've, I've kind of changed my mind a little bit. I think a lot of people kind of wonder why we went to the moon in, you know, the late 60s, early 70s, and then just haven't been back for 50 years. You know, we passed that mm-hmm. we passed that anniversary a couple of years ago. And, yeah. and you know, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, you know, we've just been, you know, doing stuff in low Earth orbit with humans. But, I mean, the International Space Station is fucking amazing thing <laughs> like i think i think you know it's just like oh yeah the international space station everyone knows about that like it's been up there for 20 years like who you know is it that but it's this gigantic gigantic thing that's in orbit that's had like we've had a continuous human presence in orbit for for 20 years at this point um mm. i believe that's right and hey, yeah we've, we've learned a lot about about living in in microgravity and and you know great great you know collaboration between countries um, I think I think it's a really amazing achievement. Definitely, but part part of me is sad that that you know we're finally seeing space exploration kind of start back up after you know the, the shuttle program ended, and yeah, I just I have very conflicted feelings even even about Elon Musk and and SpaceX. Mm-hmm. This is this is a very common you know criticism of Elon Musk that he's you know he, his his parents made money with emerald mines in South Africa. And, you know, he, it's not like he just, you know, built everything for himself. And for, for people who don't know, I mean, he, he, he was one of the, the big people behind PayPal. And that's kind of how he made his first 
first, you know, spade of money that helped him fund everything else. <clears throat> so yeah, I, I, the the idea that he's he's self made is definitely not not accurate. And and he's you know mm-hmm. he's he's done some some like fairly transphobic things on Twitter. So like that that needs to be said. And he's just kind of I mean he's kind of like a loose cannon and 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 all that stuff. And you you yeah we were talking about this a little bit a little bit earlier and and you yeah you you, you kind of questioned how how we can actually know what these people like Bezos and Musk and, and Branson are like really you know mm. yeah that's interesting yeah because um, the way that they interact with the public is inevitably a facade and that's not a criticism that's just the way of our world today if you have a certain level of celebrity you can't have a genuine personal relationship with uh, a society you know that's just not uh, a two-way relationship you, you, and so the the only way you can present yourself um, is going to be the image that you craft of yourself and I think you see that very prevalently with Elon Musk you know he has this loose cannon cowboy sort of persona that he cultivates you know and actively cultivate it's pretty clear it's you know it's it's not just him it's like he's got pr guys he's got a a whole marketing team out there helping to present him in exactly the light that he wants to be presented in yeah yeah and a lot of a lot of his companies like there's definitely like a bro tech culture element to it and and you know they're they're very i mean so <laughs> the the like the landing ships for for spacex they're all they all have names i think that are or not all of them but a lot of them have names that are referenced to this uh series of novels by ian and banks called the the culture culture series culture novels a lot, a lot of like you know nerd nerd in jokes and yeah they, they i think they they cultivate that image carefully but i think it's i think part of it is genuine mm. Well, what part do you think is genuine? Just you know, genuinely, genuinely being into to nerd, nerd stuff like that, and just sure, you know. I mean, uh, yeah, obviously they they love what they're doing. They they are willing to put in all the the effort and time, and I mean that this is another criticism of Elon Musk that he he you know overworks people, especially with the Tesla manufacturing plants, which I'm I'm sympathetic to. Mm. But I mean, this, and this is something you know as as I think more and more about kind of venturing into the tech world, you know, the, the reality of working at a company like that, that kind of pushes you to your limits, you know, what, what that, what that would actually be like. And I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, I'm a little bit more sympathetic towards him than I feel like a lot of people are because I mean, no one's, no one's forcing people to work at Tesla, right? There, there are lots of other places mm-hmm. to work. And I feel like you, to a certain extent, you kind of know what you're getting into but I mean, it's. Are you talking about like developers and uh, engineers, or are you talking about like the actual people who are manufacturing the cars? Like, oh, like the actual manufacturing people. Mm. Yeah, I would be careful about saying that maybe they could go work somewhere else because my understanding of this, and this uh, extends to Amazon factories as well. Any of these big factories uh, that often set up in a small town where basically that's the only job and that's where everyone works and you become dependent upon that factory to survive yeah yeah no, i i could see that i could see that yeah and there and there were some things you know with him not taking covid seriously and all that stuff but 
yeah, I think again, I, I forget if I said this already, but it does it does make me sad that we're 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 finally seeing real progress in space exploration and and you know I, I have these I have these mixed feelings and I think yeah this is always the thing with with music or or anything it's always a question of to what degree can you separate the the person behind it from the actual thing you know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yeah I mean it's, especially it's the case with with these companies and and you know especially with like movies where so many people worked on it and so many people put everything into it because you know because one person even if they were at the head of it d- did something wrong I don't know if it always mm-hmm. makes sense to completely throw that whole thing into the trash you know sure and obviously obviously it matters the specifics of the situation and the specifics of the the person but i think i think in this case you can't just say spacex i'm not gonna i'm not gonna you know be excited or happy or or impressed by what spacex is doing just because of the flaws of the person who's who's at the top you know definitely definitely um yeah and yeah it it, it it gets me wondering because uh to preface this i don't want to excuse any of the immoral actions that uh someone in a position of power like that can and has done whether we know about them or not but um at the same time it's like these are individuals these are human beings and even though we may experience them as this facade that they present to the world their their pr scheme that's not who they really are. They're really just a person. And in all likelihood, they're probably doing the best they can. They have good intentions and uh, they're they're just uh, being a person, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and like you said, it's really hard to tell because they cultivate this this PR image. And, and I, I think specifically of Jeff Bezos, who is, I, I know he said, he stepped down, I think is, I'm pretty sure he was CEO of Amazon, not president, but he stepped down from whatever position he was in and and said, yeah, I really want to take some time and make sure that Amazon is, is a good place to work at because that seems like a really common criticism of us is that if we want to treat our, treat our workers fairly, you know? And mm. and yeah, I, I, have, I literally have no idea if he means that sincerely <laughs> or if it's just, you know, trying to get the company to, to be more, more profitable. Um, yeah. And, and again, I, I feel like you have to draw a distinction between him who buys these gigantic yachts and Elon Musk, who is, as far as I know, like sold most of his like real estate property and and is like on the ground at the company's, uh, you know, the vast majority of t- of his time. Uh, Interesting. And and can you corroborate that as, as a fact, or is that just uh, part of the PR? <laughs> that, well, yeah, yeah. Who who knows? But um, I, I think that's I think that's a pretty sure thing that he. I mean, he's very he's very hands on with with the engineers mm-hmm. and 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 you know he he works. 80 hour weeks just like just like other people would as, mm. as far as i know you know who 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 actually knows but yeah so on that point about uh jeff bezos and the amazon workers uh you know the i'm sure you've heard some of the complaints or uh accusations you know what it's like to live in that fact to work in that factory like not being allowed to uh take a break to go to the bathroom um and you like they'll like uh, mark you off, uh, and they 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 won't pay you at the time that you're going to the bathroom, and like you also only have a certain number of minutes that you're allowed away from the the conveyor belt, and it's just like not physically possible to get to the bathroom and back, and so that like to the point where you'll find like water bottles filled with urine all around the factory because they just can't get away from their post. Um, 
you know, get, getting paid absolutely no money and worked to the point uh, of exhaustion where they're no longer as useful and then fired um, without notice automatically, like on Christmas Day kind of thing. Yeah, no, and I and I really, I mean, I, I basically, I, I believe pretty much all the, the bad stuff I hear about Amazon and working there. Like I, I yeah, mm. again, I, I would put, I would put Jeff Bezos at the bottom of the totem pole as far as you know ethical <laughs> ethical billionaires are, con- are concerned uh-huh. yeah and it's totally it's totally orwellian i mean they have you know they have the whole as far as i know i mean all the surveillance about you know what you're doing when and and mm-hmm. all that stuff i don't i don't know if it's ai powered yet i mean I, I know in china they have that kind of thing but uh it's yeah it's totally it's totally messed up it, it needs to change and mm-hmm. yeah i think i think you have a good point about you know if a, if a if a factory moves into a small town that's basically the the, the work that you would do yeah and uh and t- to have uh an environment like that uh, i remember i remember reading an article where they were asking jeff Bezos, bezos like how can you do this and his response was basically oh well you know i want to make it all automated pretty soon anyway so it doesn't doesn't really matter you know yeah geez <laughs> 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 i don't know why that's the res- i don't know why that's the response he would uh-huh. yeah no that's that's not okay i mean that 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 i mean i think there are certain things that poke through the veil of of pr and say you know uh, a good person wouldn't say that mm-hmm. yeah wouldn't do that would like you know if you have that much influence that you could literally uh end hunger just by buying the food and distributing it uh globally for like a couple of years mm-hmm. if you have that much money and you literally have to squeeze your your workers that much like i don't know why why was it so hard to get a minimum wage of 15 dollars, which is you know still probably not enough yeah yeah I, i've heard uh, yeah i've i've heard basically that i mean they, they were just pushing as hard as they can to just grow the company grow the company grow the company and now they're i mean i don't know about i don't know where they are in terms of like the biggest company on earth but i mean they're 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 up there you know they're at least definitely trillion dollar valuation and and everything so do you think do you think billionaires should exist at all this this is a this is a kind of a a, a hot question mm. yeah you had pro- you had proposed this before that maybe uh there should be a limit on how much money any individual should have yeah i don't i don't well i mean i wouldn't say like a federal limit but i mean this is another thing that's been in the news recently is that that you know the tax returns for all these you know, incredibly wealthy people came out and the what they were actually paying was so low it's just, mm. it's it's you know truly absurd like almost nothing <laughs> essentially yeah. nothing compared to their i mean i think it was like under a hundred thousand dollars or something like that for, Jesus. for and i mean part of that is because their salary is is very very little actually and you know what what they their their wealth just comes from from their stock their their stock ownings right right which which just you know fluctuate with the the value of the company mm-hmm. but I mean, yeah I, I i think they should definitely be taxed more i but yeah, my my retort to the the idea that billionaires shouldn't exist is that that we we kind of need people like especially you know look look at the example of electric cars with Tesla, we need mm. someone who could throw all this money into that, and do so confidently, <laughs> and and even then like they same with SpaceX like they almost didn't make it like they were down to just very very little money and. I think if we want to see these really innovative, risky technologies take off, we we need people who have who have the funding to 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 be able to you know pull it off, even if if the going gets really tough. That that's kind of my that's kind of my argument. 
even though even though I don't I don't I you know I think taxes should definitely be higher but I think yeah I think mm. the idea that billionaires shouldn't exist is is kind of uh misguided interesting um yeah that makes me think about i just listened to the interview of neil neil stevenson by lex friedman on his podcast and he talked about one of his recent books wherein he has a texas billionaire who decides he's gonna solve uh climate change by making a big gun that shoots sulfur up into the sky uh-huh. which is like uh an actual like scientifically proposed like we we know that would work but there would definitely be consequences and it's not a permanent solution because you have to keep doing it Mm -hmm. but you know like that's the thought like we have this impending doom that is climate change that we're doing nothing about we're hurtling over over the edge of the cliff here and no one no one's putting their foot on the brakes um and like you know we're basically screwed but what if what if uh, a billionaire who uh, whose existence depends upon continuing to live in this world decides, well, that's enough of that. Let's do something about this. And I, I can do something about this because I'm so goddamn rich. Yeah. I, I would be curious. I, yeah. That, that book, that book sounds really interesting. And, and yeah, Neil Stevenson is the author of seventies who, 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 which we've talked about. Mm. Do we, do we do a whole episode on that or Ooh, did we I feel like we did? Maybe <laughs> I, we i think we said we were gonna uh i think we proposed that as, as an idea but we didn't actually do a whole episode yeah. on it i know i know we've mentioned but we have it. definitely brought it yeah, up yeah 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 I, I i would have to think that the government would step in from someone just doing that all on their own even if it yeah i'm sure there's i'm sure there's some law they could apply that would prevent someone from just putting just a gigantic amount of <laughs> yeah you know certain oh, okay but like when have those extremely rich people been confined by the laws of uh of the united states uh you have a point but this we're literally talking <laughs> about like affecting the, the climate on a global scale mm-hmm. and i think that would be a different i guess it depends on how many senators the uh billionaire had bought like <laughs> <I>, maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I, I would i would be interested in reading that book if you're enjoying what you're listening to so far and you want to support us somehow there's lots of ways you can do that you can go follow us on Facebook or Instagram or visit us online at postwavepodcast.com or send us a nice email at postwavepodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on your podcasting platform of choice. We're on pretty much everyone out there. Give us a nice review if you're on a platform that supports that or a five-star rating. Thanks for listening. So what do you think about the question of trying to colonize Mars versus combating global warming and and Hmm. helping people here? Okay, so I'm convinced that the idea of actually colonizing Mars is entirely infeasible. And furthermore, that Elon Musk and everyone who's looked at the problem is also aware of the fact. I think that the... PR scheme of getting people excited about colonizing Mars is a great way to get people excited about space exploration in general. Interesting. So you're saying and you're saying literally never. Literally never. <laughs> never for Mars. Um, I, I don't think it's ever going to happen. I don't think it's uh, a reasonable 
expectation. I don't. I don't think anyone who's involved in the in the uh, in the project actually thinks that they would be able to accomplish that. This is something as well that Neil Stevenson uh, corroborated in his interview with Lex Friedman. He he basically said it's a, it's a great way to get people excited about space exploration, and it's you know he he wasn't quite as blunt as saying it's never going to happen, but that was very clearly his implication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to think about that. Obviously, I know you know I I don't really know the technical details, <laughs> uh-huh. but I yeah I mean. And obviously, we have no idea where technology is going to be be in a hundred years. I mean, look at look at where technology was a hundred years ago, and mm-hmm. how the people back then would not even recognize anything that's going on right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I think it's very pre- premature to say never. I mean, I you know I believe not you know maybe not in two hundred years or or a hundred years. And and I, I you know there's a big difference between having a permanent colony on Mars and just sending a few people. And you know, terraforming it, which is just way off of the future. That is something that I don't, I don't know if is actually possible. But I mean, as far as I understand, the surface of Mars is extremely radioactive, um, such that any anyone who's there is basically gonna get cancer and become sterile in a couple of years, uh, if not sooner. Um, there are other problems with it as well that I'm not first in, but I know that. Uh, sure. I mean, like these seem insurmountable problems and maybe our technology at some point will be able to overcome them. But it seems to me like much more likely that we're going to pursue a different route if we're going to try to colonize space, such as um, uh, floating space habitats um, or trying to uh, colonize other uh, further away bodies. Really? If we develop, like, if we develop uh, faster means of transportation, like where else? Where else would we go? Very, very far away. <laughs> oh, okay, so th- this is I, I, I don't know how feasible that is either. This is again something Neil Stevenson was talking about. How, you know, like sure, you could s- throw a whole bunch of money into creating some arc that's going to travel across many, many generations, maybe a thousand years. It'll get to an exoplanet. And, you know, he talks about how, well, you don't even know if that exoplanet is any good until you get there. And uh, the the motivations for going on this on this journey, for putting the money into building the project is entirely is not profitable for the people on Earth. And so it's never going to happen. Yeah, yeah, no, I thought I thought that was a really interesting point. Yeah, didn't didn't he say it was almost a religious kind of thing? Yeah, so like uh, in in the in the series The Expanse, have you watched or read that? I haven't. Oh man, it's uh, by uh, the, the pseudonym is James Corey for the books. Mm-hmm. Um, it's two guys who write it. It's Daniel Abraham and I. I don't remember the other guy, um, but they. It's incredible. It's one of my favorite series. Mm-hmm. It is basically set in not too distant future uh, where the solar system has been colonized. And they have a really interesting way they flesh it out. They have the uh, colonies way out in the asteroid belt are, uh, you know, basically subservient to Earth. Um, and basically like the early colonies uh in the Americas um, before the revolution and, you know, lots of people living in poverty, extreme poverty and uh, working for the profit of, of other people. Um, Then you have earth, which is extremely overcrowded and 
there's a lot of wealth there, but also just like a lot of people who have nothing but are like <laughs> preserved with extremely good uh, healthcare and UBI so that they, they just sit around doing nothing all the day, all time because they, they don't have uh, any motivation or resources to do anything else except for survive. Uh, oh. <laughs> and, and uh, but no, it's not just that. I mean, they, they have all the Kafkaesque uh, uh, political scheming and uh, rich people doing rich people things. Um, but then they have the, that Mars has been colonized, a grating and grueling process over the course of centuries. Uh, it's a military colony, I guess, um, they uh, basically started from nothing and built it up into a habitable pl- habitable place. Um, there's this really great line from the show, from the book as well, that you know, Earth started with a garden and they paved it over. We started with nothing and we built a garden. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I I, th- I do think I do think hollowing out asteroids could be it could be really a good way to go. I know. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like you mentioned, I know I know the magnetic field problem with Mars and the radiation is is a big problem. I did see. Uh, hopefully I can find this video. There's a there's a really good Sabina Hassenfelder video on, on the whole colonizing Mars thing. And she's also very skeptical as she is about a lot mm-hmm. of things. But one one solution people proposed is I think you could put some kind of wire like around the whole equator yeah. <laughs> in the right way. And that would actually produce the right magnetic field. It's, so it's not really? it's not impossible that you could do that. But I mean, it's it's we don't we don't have a material that would work. Interesting. Yeah. So it's not. It's not impossible, but I mean, yeah, you you have to talk about those mm-hmm. like geoengineering scale things. I mean, there's there's also mm-hmm. there's also just you know living underground, which would I, I you know I don't know who would want to live like that. But if we're talking about <laughs> literally everyone on Earth is gonna be extinguished, and you're like the the, the like the last holdout, then maybe some people would want to do that. Yeah, getting back into seven eaves here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was that was a really interesting exploration that they did. That. Uh... You know, Neil Stevenson proposes this world where it's it's basically modern day world, except for the moon blows up and then people have two years to figure out what they're going to do to have humanity survive. And they decide to uh, go into space predominantly and uh, end up hollowing out an asteroid and uh, shielding themselves in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you you have the people who went into the ocean and and every, you know. Yeah, they evolved into kind of a different species over ten thousand years, and then the the people on the asteroid. Yeah, there's there like a genetic bottleneck, as they call it. And like, yeah, the name of the book is from mm-hmm. the seven people who, the seven women who were who were left and kind of you know gave, gave birth to all the rest of humanity. Yeah, it's it's amazing book. You should you should read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was gripping. Yeah, uh, and thank you for uh, exposing me to that. Yeah, <laughs> I liked Neil Stevenson's exploration as well of different means of space travel because uh you know as he talks about we do it with rockets right now and that's just because uh an accident of history because we just happened to have developed rockets and uh in in the process of uh figuring out how to get our nukes over to the other people (laughs) right Uh, (laughs) and that just happened to be the technology that we had and so we we took that all the way up into the moon but that that's you know not the only feasible way there's a whole bunch of crazy crazy things you could do you know space elevators uh massive bull whips yeah sky hooks uh, isn't that what, is that what they're called in 
seventies. I, I don't know if that's just a general. I, f- term. I forget. Yeah, <laughs> sky hooks, <laughs> super super cool. Yeah, and you know, the the Thor. Do you remember the Thor from the the later part of that book? I don't. <laughs> it's like a big, uh, a big pillar uh, hammer thing mm-hmm. with like uh, like 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 imagine throwing a hammer through 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 the air mm-hmm. and the handle spins around in big circles. Mm-hmm. Now imagine that as that handle is spinning downward, it just grazes the surface of a beach ball that is spinning in the opposite direction so that their motions just happen to perfectly line up with each other. And so uh, basically what you do is you uh, throw this massive hammer and the handle uh, matches up with the orbit of the Earth, comes down into the atmosphere to the point where it actually touches down momentarily um, on top of someone, encloses them, and then whips them away. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Dang. Like, holy shit. <laughs> Why can't we do that? Yeah, so there's actually a company, I'll find the name for the show notes, but they're... <laughs> they're developing this rocket that starts with the the rocket being like spun up to ridiculous speed hmm. and then it gets shot out the top of this uh the spinning thing and it like it hmm. mock something stupid <laughs> and that's like that they only they you know after that they need they need a much smaller rocket hmm. so yeah there's, there's stuff like that that we haven't even explored yet yeah so many so many different ways yeah. and i think that's one of the exciting things about space exploration because you know once once you have uh, a little bit of a base up there mm-hmm. um there's so many resources all the metals and water that can be used to manufacture uh more you know uh living living spaces up there but also more vehicles and means of uh means of getting up and down you know it's it's a huge challenge to get out of the gravity well to start at the bottom and work your way up that takes a lot of energy but if your material is all up in there it's suddenly uh up in space is suddenly much more uh cost effective yeah yeah totally so i want to go back to this this basic question again of of how we should balance the problems that are here on earth versus exploring space Mm -hmm. and uh, the thing I've, I've been coming back to lately, did you, you, you probably didn't see in the news that they discovered the, the biggest comet we've ever seen. Maybe it was like a few months ago. No. And it just came out of the Oort cloud, <laughs> which is, you know, the, the, uh, the, the cloud of comets that surrounds the solar system. And yeah, I think it's like a hundred kilometers wide or something, <laughs> something just stupid like that. And hadn't seen it before, had no idea it was there. It's, it's only going to come to, I think the orbit of Saturn, but basically any day we could, see something like that that we didn't know was there and it's gonna hit the earth in you know x number of months years whatever mm. and it could be you know it could be worse than the the impact that killed the dinosaurs it could be you know this is gonna extinguish all life on earth like i imagine if this comet hit earth it would be yeah game over for all life and i and it is a remote possibility but i mean this is the whole question of of I think I think people call it long termism. Like, how, how should we balance the mm. the potential existence of future generations versus people that are alive now? And I think it's a big question. Wow. Yeah. But I think I think that is that is the scenario we have to reckon with because it it does seem mm. very far fetched. It is very unlikely to happen at any given time, but it is a a possibility. Yeah. No. It seems to me that like the moment we become aware that that is an actual threat and that it's maybe something we can do about it, 
we better damn well be doing something about it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So we're like sitting ducks if we don't. And, you know, that's going to be expensive, but it's also going to come with its own, its own perks. Um, the, the process of developing those technologies. I, I don't know. I think that it is essential that right now we begin the process of developing, uh, beyond, uh, you know, developing space technologies. Um, it, it, at the same time, it's like, I've, I've, of course, I've wondered, like, damn, they spent how many, what, billions, trillions of dollars on this uh, so far? And it's like, what if, you know, what if Elon Musk, instead of doing that, had taken all that money and uh, used it to support, like, uh, prevention of deforestation in the Amazon or, like, uh, ending world hunger or something like that? which is, you know, something he could be doing with his time and money. But uh, then it, then it made, then I realized it's like, it's not, it's not like he's burning that money. That money goes somewhere that goes to his employees, that goes to his customers. And then they have another chance to use that, that money, that influence in whatever way they want. Yeah. I, I honestly, I don't, I don't know about that argument. Cause I feel like, yeah, I feel like putting it on the shoulders of the people who are just getting paid by him is mm-hmm. I mean, they, you know, they can donate whatever amount they want. And I, I, anyone above a certain income level, I believe should, as we've, I think we talked about it in our effective altruism Definitely. episode, but yeah, what I, what I, what I come back to sometimes, I mean, if you look at the, the list of the wealthiest people in the world, mm. I, I think the top three are, and, you know, varying order depending on the, what the stock prices are, but you know, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, I believe either Mark Zuckerberg or Warren Buffett. And then I think number four is the guy who owns Louis Vuitton and, and like all these fashion companies and Mm. his wealth is not that far off from, from Bezos and Musk. Like it's maybe differs by a few billion dollars or something. And Mm. it's like, go after that guy, (laughs) like ask, ask him about solving world hunger because (laughs) these, these other guys are, I mean, I would, yeah, again, separating Musk from Bezos because I think Musk is doing way more, uh, laudable things but yeah go after go after bezos and and the louis vuitton guy <laughs> not not the <laughs> not the guy who's you know created electric cars and is, is trying to make space colonization a thing mm-hmm. uh that, that's kind of that's kind of my retort to that although again he's not he's not perfect and and you know, yeah. there are criticisms and, but... yeah and definitely I, I wouldn't i wouldn't put the onus on uh preserving earth entirely on subordinates or you know uh, n- not not extremely wealthy people but um, I, th- I think it's an interesting thought experiment because, you know, you're, you're not being immoral by not helping, by spending your money, even on like completely pointless personal things like yachts. If you spend your money there, you're not really being a part of the problem. You're just not helping to be part of the solution. But, it, you know, if it keeps going down the chain where every transaction is entirely ignoring the these very serious problems then they're not ever going to get better and we're going to suffer because of it so it seems to make sense to me that uh if we were to structure things such that every transaction some portion of that goes towards uh helping these helping uh you know climate change and world hunger and those kind of things yeah yeah i don't, I don't know if you saw I probably didn't every time I asked the answer is no. <laughs> there was there was this big thing recently about the some guy either with the UN or the the World Food Bank or something like that 
um, kind of challenged Elon Musk on Twitter. You know, like if if we just had six billion dollars or something, we could solve world hunger. Will, will you commit to this? He, he, I think mentioned some other billionaires as well. And Elon Musk was was like, yeah, let's you know, if you can show me the plan, then then we'll do it. I'll sell the stock and we'll do it. And um, I think I think it happened. I think it actually. Really? Yeah, I mean, he he sold he sold a bunch of Tesla stock, and there's. Yeah, you know, there's debate about whether he was just doing that to kind of avoid taxes or, or something, which mm. is probably legitimate. But but yeah, th- this guy, this kind of thing, this conversation is is being had. And, hmm. and yeah, I mean, just to to get to kind of the, the the really basic problem of income inequality, I think I think the time is well past that we should have universal basic income in this country. Just the 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 magnitude of the the wealth uh, income gap is is just obscene, and it doesn't even our our brains can't even compute it like you know people hear the word billion and think it's it's close to a million and it's it's just <laughs> no. it's not not at all like no yeah yeah i mean the 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 like proportionally the difference between a person who has a billion dollars and a million dollars is the same as a person who has a million dollars and a person who has a thousand dollars like that's the yeah <laughs> that's the difference and we're mm-hmm. talking about like a hundred, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars, and uh, yeah, it's it's just yeah, it's it's obscene at this point, and and so so many. I mean, this is a, another thing you hear like so many jobs are just actually pointless. Like it can be shown, like it's it's just mm-hmm. not. It's it's actually meaningless, and it's just, I just think it's really sad, and 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 I feel like a lot of it is just consumerism. You know, people want their things, and people want fast food and people you know want all these comforts, and I think I don't know. I mean, obviously, obviously it's idealistic, but I think. Yeah, I think I think people are just so caught up and and this is the status quo. This is how things are. Things are like this for a reason. There's a reason it's not better than this. And mm. I think I think it's yeah, I think that's just patently not true. I think I think things could be yeah, way way more productive isn't the right word. I, I don't know what word I'm um, healthy. Yeah, wholesome, thriving. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um definitely. I'm with you there. I uh yeah, and it's like, and what do you do about it? I mean, it's not, it's not going to be public policy. It's not going to be taxation that uh, ultimately will will cause that uh, change to come about. I think that the change has to come from our culture, from how, from what each individual values, and you know, I think people want to want to value the things that are good for them that will make them happy in the long run and and well and like gratified um but they just don't know what we don't know what uh what to pursue yeah yeah change change the system for any one person just seems it just seems so hopeless and yeah and i think part of uh part of what we can do as individuals right now is you know start to explore start to recognize like what is it that i actually want like i for me i'm i'm planning to get a tech job i'm planning to earn 120 grand or something like that um per year which is way more than i've ever 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 even conceived of earning and you know what could i do with that money am i gonna buy a whole bunch of uh fancy cars and a big old house and a bunch of guitars i'll I'll probably buy a few guitars Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh but you know i i uh, I've been really, really considering this. Like, what am I going to do with wealth when I have wealth? And I think uh, part of part of it has to be uh, 
donated, but uh, a large part of it has to, um, I don't know, it, 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 it's not like necessarily about what I need to do with the wealth, but uh, considering in each moment, what do I actually want and what is going to give me gratification, what's going to make me happy. Yeah, yeah, it's, and it's definitely a balance. And yeah, and as we've talked about, I used to be kind of way more hardcore, effective altruist, even though at this point I make not enough money to even really be able to think about these things <laughs> like in any practical, useful way. But mm-hmm. I mean, I think Will McCaskill, who's who's one of the main guys behind the effective altruist thing, he he basically, I think, gives enough money away so that he basically makes the, 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 the average wage where he lives <laughs> and or like, you know, average income per year. And I, I get why you would do that and I admire it. But I think especially if you live in the U.S., I mean, there's a chance you or a loved one could get some disease that just ends up running up the medical bills to a ridiculous mm-hmm. amount and i feel like you're justified in at least saving up, up enough that if that happens then you will be okay definitely you know and yeah that that's kind of what i what i've come come to recently and yeah people people deserve to be happy you know we should mm-hmm. we should be spending money on art and and music and mm-hmm. and you know enjoy enjoying life but yeah there, it's it's a balance yeah yeah it's such a balance it's like the entire weight of humanity and our future is not on your shoulders. You're allowed to enjoy yourself. You're allowed to expend resources on yourself. And then it's at the same time, it's like we are in many ways in a crisis right now and there's several crises and what are we going to do about them? You know, it's like you could say I'm going to do my fair share. And even if everyone else isn't, that's enough. Maybe that's not true. Maybe maybe you have to do more than your fair share. But at the same time, you know, there is a limit. There is a point at which uh, you need to look after yourself. Yeah, yeah. And again, when when the when the the gap between us and the richest people is so large, I think I think the burden is yeah on individual people who are making relatively average amounts of money should be should be relatively low. Definitely, definitely. I will say, I think I think we do have a real chance at this changing within our lifetimes. And mm. uh, for people who haven't heard, Andrew Yang, who is the guy behind basically the, the most credible and realistic realistic shot at, at UBI, uh, has started a new, a new party called the Forward Party. And who knows? I mean, you know, people have this impression that third parties are always kind of a wasted vote and that, you know, especially someone who's starting a party now, like, you know, who's going to take that person seriously? But I really think someone needs to do it. You know, the time is ripe. I think that he, I heard him in some interview, he cited some statistic like 60 something percent of people consider themselves independents. <laughs> it's like the people who actually consider themselves Democratic, Democrats or Republicans is actually in the minority right now. Wow. So there is a real chance for someone to kind of step in and, and, and do something dramatic. And I think he has a real shot. And yeah, I, again, I think this could change in our lifetimes. I mean, in our lifetime, it's, yeah, the odds are are maybe not great, but mm. I, yeah, I want I want yeah. to be hopeful. It's it's so it's so tough and grating because it's like yes, the change does need to happen, and our current system, the, the current state of it, is just so undeniably corrupt on every level and uh, insipid and uh, not forward thinking in the slightest bit, and uh, you know self self. Uh, uh, people looking out for their own profit at expense of others. I'm speaking specifically of American politics and, 
you know, that's not going to change. It's not going to stop on its own until it has to, you know, it's either going to, it's going to eat itself out from the inside until it, it collapses in on itself. Um, and what takes over is hopefully not as corrupt as that, but you never know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're we're going to find out. <laughs> oh, fun. Looking forward to it. So <laughs> any, any closing thoughts? <laughs> um, now I'm bummed out. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm so used to being bummed out uh, talking about politics that I, I think I've become jaded. I, uh, have to appreciate it with oblique humor and you know i'm genuinely curious to see how how the ship will crash <laughs> yeah at some point i would like to do a meta episode on talking about politics an episode about talking about politics yeah about <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> yeah all right let's do it yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, because I'm I'm there with you about it. Like, it, it seems kind of hopeless sometimes, and or a lot of the times, and it's just kind of a downer. And you know, what what, what good can individual people actually do? But I think I think I think we have to try. I think we have to try. Yeah, we we owe mm. it to ourselves and our society to try as as hard as it may be. That's a good place to end. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Thank <laughs> you.